0: The Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of IBL on Deck, sponsored by Rawlings. My name is Jackson Farrell. Great to be with you once again for another episode of IBL on Deck as we continue our team-by-team series as we inch closer to our start of our 2021 IBL season, still set for that June 3rd opening day start date. Now, if you missed our last episode, we sat down with Hamilton Cardinals GM Jeff Lounsbury, and we had a really good conversation. He's a baseball lifer, and you know if you're a baseball enthusiast, definitely go check that one out. Uh I guarantee you'll learn something from it and get a lot out of it. Uh, but today we're going to take a trip down to southwestern Ontario and uh, talk about the London Majors as we get set for their season to kick off at historic Labatt Park. So without further ado, let's bring in the co-owner, our guest on today's program, Scott Dart. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, no problem, Jackson. Now uh, we're going to talk, you know, about the team and Labatt Park and stuff like that. But you know, just talking more on a general scale about you personally, uh, how does one kind of become an owner of an IBL team? <laughs>
1: It's, uh, it actually was a little bit different. We were originally trying to buy the St. Thomas Elgin's at the time. Yeah. Um, and actually the deal fell through the, kind of the last minute mm-hmm. and somebody said, Hey, why don't you approach the owner of the London majors? And, uh, you know, that he's probably got the team up for sale at some point and or would be interested. I contacted Arden 80. We sat down for uh, two full days over breakfast, lunch, and almost a dinner on both days. And, hammered out a deal. So it was uh, probably very, very naive. I played for the St. Thomas Elgin, so that was my connection with the league. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then ended up with the team and wasn't really sure what I was doing from, from day one, but uh, quickly learned that there was a lot
0: more to it than what I thought. So. Right. And so you, you mentioned having been a player. First off, what was that experience like? And, and do you have any good stories or memories from your time <laughs> as, a, as a player way back when?
1: You know what? I was, uh, so I, and it's probably shocking to even admit, but, uh, but I was a pitcher, um, had a terrible, terrible, terrible ERA. I think I was just literally a warm body for them. And probably the biggest highlight that I, that I had was I was, uh, pitching against, uh, Bill Bykowski, uh, who's a monster of a human being. And he hit one straight back at me right between my legs. And after that point, I could—I don't think I could even throw a strike. It was—it came back so hard, so it was just ridiculous.
0: So wow. So was that was that the end of it, kind of? Then was that sort of the career-ending injury, or were you able to get no, back on the mound after that? No, actually, actually, it went between my legs,
1: so it didn't hit me or oh, anything. It just okay, freaked me out. Um, no, my very last game was actually pitching against the London Majors, uh, which oh. is kind of ironic now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was—it was interesting just from the standpoint that you know, the majors were like this, you know, truly lofty goal that I would have loved to have played for. And I just didn't have the the skill set for it. Um, and then to actually, you know, be an owner of the team years later, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of cool, actually.
0: Yeah, it's full circle, I guess, a little it bit. Is. Um, in terms of maybe your time as a player, what lessons did you take that you've that have kind of like informed your principles and your decisions now as an owner?
1: Um, I think probably the biggest thing is teamwork and recognizing that you can't do anything on your own, that you need, you know, you need the support of others. Um, and that's really what baseball is all about. And we have a great team, not only on the field, Root uh, makes sure that we have a competitive team each season, but also off the field as well. we got a lot of great people from, you know, from the marketing side, from the people at, uh, you know, in our, in our team store. and And then not even to mention like the fact that we've, our alumni uh, they are an amazing group to do a, an absolute phenomenal amount of work to not only in, the, in these times where we're not playing obviously um, but to keep baseball kind of alive and at the forefront of everyone's thought uh, they're doing fundraising to improve they're doing tons of research um, the committee there led by barry bugner is absolutely phenomenal and they're, they're now spreading to other teams within the league as well to kind of share their best practices and um, kind of how to set up and, and what things to do to really engage the, the alumni. Um, and those are the types of things that really make a well-rounded organization.
0: Yeah, and, and kind of building off that, it was uh, London's media coordinator actually informed me that the majors were the first team to do an online live stream of their games. So how did that all kind of come about? Well, I,
1: I think that uh, there's been a couple of different things. One, we always wanted to try to push the boundaries and try something different. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of people that are in our league that want to do different things. And we just happened to be at that point. We were just kind of the leaders that wanted to try something different. And we were approached by a couple individuals that said, hey, you know, we're looking at doing this. Would you be OK with it? And absolutely like anything to kind of Bring it to an, the next level. Bring it to something where we can engage fans a little bit more. Um, for our, our fans that are our shut-ins that necessarily couldn't come out to the to the ballpark, we wanted to make sure that we had another another avenue to kind of reach out to them. We had a lot of games that were televised on Rogers prior. Um, we've got a, a deal with Rogers again going forward to have them uh, look at our games and, and do a number of them if we if we get a season in this year. So we're always trying to reach out to partnerships, again, building on those, not only doing it ourselves, but also reaching out to our, our community partners to make things better.
0: Right. And in such a historic baseball town like London, you, know, you talk about trying to get to all those fans, even the ones who can't show up to the games. What's some of the unique aspects about running a sports team in London compared to maybe some other cities in Ontario, such as Guelph or Kitchener, etc.?
1: Probably the biggest thing is the London Knights. Yeah. The London Knights are such a huge draw and there's sometimes that obviously, and, you know, and we cheer for them as well to a point uh, where, you know, we want their season to go as far as possible, but, but it also does run into our season um, a few times just when they do have long runs. Um, so that's, that's a challenge because London historically, you know, they, they support the Knights, they, you know, and they get their 9,000 fans a game or whatever it is. And, uh, and, and that's fantastic for them. And then there's almost like that little bit of a lull and then the buildup for baseball happens. So by time July 1st rolls around, we're starting to get our fans back and we're starting to see a lot more people coming out. Um, but I think that sometimes it's just kind of that little bit of break. So that's our biggest competition. And then when the London lightning, we're starting to uh, ramp up as well. Um, again, it's just, everybody's kind of going for that, uh, the dollar in the pocket of our fans and we're wanting them to come out and, and that, pushes us as well to, to try different things and to do different things, not only, you know, airing games on on TV or, or live streaming, but also making sure that when people are actually at the ballpark, we're trying to do different things as well.
0: Right. And and speaking of the ballpark, I think maybe that's one advantage you might have over the night. So you got some real history with the ballpark. Um, you know, we see the pristine grass. We see how nice the dirt looks, especially for the Legacy Classic, you know, some of the renovations and stuff. What kind of work goes in, you know, when the cameras are off? And can you speak a little bit sort of to to just the effort that the whole organization puts into uh, sort of keeping that baseball relic in such good condition?
1: Well, really, we rely on the on the city of London, the Parks and Rec group. They're fantastic people. Um, They work with us. They let it you know, we we meet to talk about what our needs are. Um, we also have to recognize as well that there are other organizations that they use Labatt Park. Um, so we also want to be respectful of their needs as well. Um, we move our schedule around our practice schedule around to, to suit some of the other organizations. Um, and we do that because we know that if we're helping out the, the younger teams and stuff like that, that's the pipeline to either future fans or future players. Um, and we want to make sure that we're being good corporate partners as well. Um, and the city of London does a, a great job of putting uh, resources towards the park, making sure that it is in, in tip top condition. Uh, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of renovations. There's a lot more to come as well. Um, and again, it's, it's building that experience to make sure that it's something that is an enjoyable Friday night for people to come down to the Forks of the
0: Thames. And it was announced actually recently there will be tours of Labatt Park this summer as part of a new partnership between Labatt Park, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame Museum and the Beachville District Museum to promote the area, you know, as a destination for baseball heritage. So in saying that, what's the one thing about Labatt Park, you know, let's say maybe aside from the longevity that any baseball fan just has to see?
1: I think being able to sit there on a Friday night and under the lights and seeing the skyline of of downtown Mm -hmm you can't beat that. It's, it's such a good feeling and the fans are close enough to the field to actually be part of the action. And I think that that's probably our, our biggest advantage. And then, you know, kind of going hand in hand with that, the the experience of actually having such a good quality field. Um, and that to me is, it's it's worth every penny for somebody to come. It's It's very, uh, family oriented uh, from a fiscal responsibility side. It's affordable. It's There's fun. There's stuff there for the kids to do. Uh, we used to kind of joke about it, uh, Rup and I, about that, you know, we want to make sure that there's something for little kids because young kids get very distracted, obviously. And so that's when we kind of started the whole run the bases because we had young kids at the time and we're like, OK, if our kids are bored, chances are other fans, their kids are bored as well. And, and the parents are normally there because they want to watch a, a baseball game and enjoy just a relaxing time out. So we started putting more things in place in game stuff to make sure that they were entertained. And there's there's a lot more teams in the league that are doing a lot more uh, in game stuff to entertain the fans. And I think that that really is that's a big part of it
0: yeah and you know when you worked on me you know i I, when i was younger when i my parents took me out to the bat park as a, a little kid you know that's the running the bases yes you know that's really you see it now the results i guess um maybe what's something you didn't know about running a baseball team that you learned once you became an owner
1: uh probably just the sheer logistics the the number of moving pieces that are part of it like you go from the um the truly logistical of of transportation, you, you have to look at the procurement piece of uh, finding the best deal on equipment, um, working with the different partners as well. The sponsorship aspect of it, which is really, you know, in a, in a lot of times where there's uh, competing interest for for advertising dollars, we want to make sure that we have something that is unique. Um, and, you know, I feel that our, you know, our, our marketing uh, manager does a great job in kind of building those customized pieces for our our, our partners our corporate partners and then we also do a lot of work as well with uh, a lot of the social service agencies i think that that uh that helped and and at, but at the time I, I had no experience with that and it was it was just kind of interesting to watch the whole thing kind of come together the evolution of it um recognizing as well that uh there's probably um there's going to be nights where you're not going to please everybody there's going to be somebody who's not happy whether that's because you know they're not happy because the uh the game's taking too long there's too many you know too long a lineups at the concession stand um whatever the case is there there's you can't please everybody but we we do our best to please as many people as possible but at the end of the day that was probably one of the big learning pieces that um you know we want to make sure that we're enjoying it uh, ourselves because really this is a labor of love And at the same time, we want it to be a place that families can come out and enjoy a game and just relax and kind of unwind from the week. So,
0: Now, it looks like we have a fan question here from one of our viewers. Thomas West says, what are you looking forward to most in the 2021 season for the majors? Good question, Thomas.
1: Well, Thomas, probably the very first thing is we really hope to have a season or at least an abbreviated season if possible. Um, there's so many challenges that are associated with that. We're you know we're trying to figure out the different scenarios of of start dates and you know what happens if kind of scenarios. Um, and for us, that's that's probably the biggest thing is we just want to get back on the field and get back to having our fans in the ballpark and us being in the ballpark as well. there's there's a there's a lot of us that actually uh, are not on the field that really enjoy being there. and and just again, that going back to, there's something magical about being at Labatt Park that we all enjoy, and it's uh, and we've missed it, like really missed it.
0: Yeah, and, and you know when I was sitting there uh, in the stands during the Legacy Classic, and it was just a gorgeous evening. And I remember saying on the broadcast, you know, if only fans could be here, right, to to experience this. And so hopefully we can get back to that eventually. Um, So we had Hamilton's GM, Jeff Lounsbury, uh, last episode, he talked a lot about sort of the off the field stuff that you had mentioned briefly earlier, and sort of supporting everyone in the organization, giving them tools and stuff like that. Can you speak to maybe uh, instances where that's happened uh, in London, where uh, the importance of the off the field actions in terms of giving your your, you know, organization tools to really succeed?
1: I think the biggest thing is that we recognized early on was that we need things to to actually have for our fans, to make them ambassadors of our brand, um, to make them want to have that conversation with other individuals that, hey, you should check out the London Majors. It's a great night, whatever the case is. And having a team store, that was instrumental in really upping our, our level of uh, engagement with the fans. And when we start seeing things like uh, you know our our branded stuff around town and stuff like that, and Every single time that I see somebody wearing a London Majors cap, I always say, hey, love the cap. And, you know, they probably have no idea who I am or anything or why I would say that. But, you know, they just kind of smile and it's kind of it's kind of neat, though. So having stuff like that, like making sure that we have uh, that type of thing, we put an ATM at uh, at the park, which, you know, being a, a cash only uh, hmm. baseball team, that's actually that created a lot of opportunity for more people to to have access to funds to be able to buy some of those uh, gifts in our team store and also at the concession stand. Um, and also, you know, we've got a couple of solid volunteers that work at the front gate that, that that's really the, the very first face that our fans see. And to us, it's so important to make sure that that experience is a good experience. And the two individuals that we got that uh, work for us every single game, Ron and Marilyn, um, they really are the face of the majors when that, when that lineup is there and, uh, sometimes the lineups are are quite long, and but they're there to kind of you know make everybody feel good and and make it so that the night starts off on the right foot. And without our volunteers, we really wouldn't have the group that we have. It's it it really it makes a big difference to everything off the field. And you know we've got uh, we've got so many individuals you know up in our in our broadcast booth uh, from our scores, our scoreboard operator to our. Um, our our PA guide to you know the our announcers that are actually roaming in the stands um, all of those individuals are are just really a, a huge piece to the overall experience and you know we we try to get everybody interacting the best that we can um, making sure that we're thankful of the of the volunteers that are there we get a lot of uh, students that are working in the concession stands and and again, they're the they're the face of the majors while the person is dealing with them at the at the concession stand. And and that's the real big piece. And it's, you know, if you don't have those individuals, the team doesn't it doesn't work.
0: Absolutely. And I think those individuals contribute to you know, sort of sort of being the sights and sounds of summer in London. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of which, uh, it was announced in February that Cleveland Brownlee will be returning to the majors for an 11th season. Can you describe that the just the impact that Cleveland has had on the organization over the years? Wow. Uh,
1: Where to even start? Like (laughs) he, he has an impact all over the place. So Mm -hmm. we've seen all the things that he's done on the field, you know, gold bat winner uh, leader in home runs for the team for, from a historical perspective, um, fan favorite by far, anything that we ask him to, to help with outside in the community. He's the first one to line up and say, yep, I'll help out rounds up. Other guys were necessary. He's the type of person that can, um, really just, he brings, he brings a lot of happiness to the, to the ballpark and he's, he's a good guy. Um, I like to say that, you know, Rupe and I are friends with him and like, it's not just a, a baseball relationship over the years from when he first came from Atlanta, um, you could tell that he was a special individual just from the way that he interacted with us. And then once we saw how he interacted with fans of all ages, wow. Like in, in dedicated, like he's a dedicated guy that wants to do anything and everything to to be the, the brand ambassador for the majors. And, you know, whether it's, you know, hitting home runs or, you know, hitting a home run with the with the local seniors um, housing, he'll do it. He, he's more than happy to do whatever it takes to make people want to come and watch a majors game.
0: Yeah, so important and such a presence, as you said, an ambassador for baseball, uh, really in southwestern Ontario. A um, bit more of a serious note here, as we look towards the upcoming season, how do you handicap your chances of having fans in the seats? <laughs> um, I had to ask you. I, you know what?
1: I think that we will have fans in the seats. Now it really is going to come down to the to the number of fans that we're allowed to have. I think mm-hmm. that you know if we're if we're stuck at the hundred fans per game. I think that we could probably get through it. We wouldn't enjoy it like from a from a financial perspective, it would be a little bit of a hit, but at the same time though, we wanna make sure that our business partners are okay in the the rest of the league teams, um, that they're able to function under those restrictions. And the other, uh, the challenge that's associated with it is, it's not just the Middlesex Health Unit here, but also all the different health units and all the municipalities that we play in, have to be on the same page. And if they're not, for whatever reason, based on breakouts, whatever, whatever um, we may then have some different rules with regards to different teams. And then if we're limited to, you know, a bubble of some sort where we're only allowed to interact with uh, 50 players in total, that would really, really hinder our ability to, to, to feel the season. Um, but we like our chances. We like how it's starting to ramp up for vaccinations. Uh, which will help out, you know, not only baseball, but, you know, the entire community. And those are the types of things that we're just kind of, we're following very closely. Um, the league has hired an individual that can actually put a return to play uh, proposal together so that when we do get close to that, that we're doing things safely. First and foremost is the safety of our players and our fans and our, you know, our volunteers. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not putting anybody at risk and that. Roop and i that's that's paramount to everything from our mindset that's everything that we look at first is safety and then after that we'll we'll take our our kind of lead from the uh, uh from the public health
0: in terms of sort of i guess recruitment and signing players i know that's more of a roop thing but um just from what you've observed how has the pandemic kind of changed that whole operation for you or has it changed the the recruitment that line? you know you know what? It
1: it has it has in certain ways anyway. And you know, Rupe would probably give a very different perspective than what mine is. But my perspective is this. We've got players who who typically would want to come home, college-age players that are coming home, they want to play for their home team. Um, they they love the competitive side of, of what our league offers. But at the same time though, if they do come back and they're and they're coming up from the States, if they're in a collegiate uh, NCAA or JUCO or whatever whatever the case is, then they run the risk. Can they actually get over the border? Can they can they get back over the border to go back to school? Um, if our season is extended, does that mean that they actually have to leave? It's really taking a it's it's a big chance for them to um, to make that decision to play in the IBL versus staying where they are for the summer. Most of them want to come home, see their family, see their friends, play in front of the home crowd um and and we want them because you've probably seen our signings uh we've signed a lot of older players that have played in years gone past and that's because they've got the leadership and they and that leadership aspect with young guys is paramount to the success of not only the overall team but also of um bringing along the the talent and the uh progression of the of the younger guys and teaching them about how to how to be prepared how to actually do things in certain scenarios within the within the game and we don't want them to miss out on those opportunities either. But at the same time, though, it's it's a tough decision for them. And then, you know, imports, having four import players, like, you know, Roop's already um, signed import players, but will they be able to travel? Will they be able to come here? Will they, um, will they risk actually once they get here, they, they can't leave? You know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, we may think, oh, yeah, why, why couldn't they leave? Well, you know, if, if airlines shut down again or there was a limitation on travel, um, it could have a big impact. So, again, there's a lot riding on this on this season, and a lot of it is just based on vaccinations and, and the return to play for baseball, and not just here, but all across Canada. U.S. is already a you know, as we've seen in Texas, it's really opened up, um, which is very, very different than than what we've had to this point, or what even has been uh, talked about as uh, as an opportunity at this point. So. Again, we're just not in the same spot as what the U.S. is. And so, again, Roop may be signing younger guys and other teams in the league might be signing younger guys that are in college. But because of the risk, they may not want to be able to uh, actually make it home and and take that risk. And, you know, where they might be able to play all summer in, you know, a local league down there versus coming home, it remains to be seen. We really want them to come back because we think that they bring in – a different dimension to our game, um, but at the same time, though, you know, we understand that there's uh, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made, and that's why this entire pandemic is really about all the different moving pieces, and and we're just hoping that you know all of those uh, gears line up so that we we can hit the ground running, um, we can get the players that we need, we can actually have a, a competitive season, even if it is abbreviated, we're we're okay with that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we need something as a community, as a community feel good, and a community feel good would be to gather to watch something that really is uh, historically a pastime for for all of our local teams.
0: For sure. And, and as we look to the future here, I think we all need some uplifting news right now, as you just mentioned, not just in London, but really in Ontario. Um, what can Majors fans look forward to? Not just this season with the Majors, because kind of already answered that question from the fan, but... So the future of baseball in London as well, as the years go on, do you have any plans for, for the future? What can fans really get excited about down the road here, if anything?
1: I think probably the biggest thing is that we're always looking to be innovative and, yeah. and, to, and to try different things. Um, one of the things that uh, Rupe and I talked about when we first bought the team was that we can try anything we want. If we fail, yeah. we move on and we try something different. It's it's We're not limited by a – a cor- corporate a- atmosphere where we, you know, we have shareholders to report to, it's and I. Yeah. So if we decide that we want to try something one year, great, we can. If it doesn't have the success we want, we can tweak it, change it. Um, so we're always looking for something new. And, you know, as things uh, go on, you know, we've seen a lot of 50-50 draws that are online. Like, I think that that's, that's an amazing opportunity yeah. for for not only us, but for the league. Um, we're looking to, you know, we've got some new partners. Um, Welland obviously has, has a great, uh, business model that they're working off of, uh, Barry is a leader within the league as well for doing, um, uh, corporate engagement, um, doing unique things within their ballpark as well. And we're just really trying to stay in that, in that group. We want to make sure that we're working to pull our own weight and make sure that we're doing things to innovate and share. Um, we've got a good group sitting at our ownership table that want to share, that want to see the league improve. And really, I think that that's that's going to be the driving factor for not only the London Majors, but for all of our league partners. Because if we we don't all pull in the same direction, then we're going to be held back. And, you know, that old uh, saying goes that you're only as strong as your weakest link. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, our weakest link is really on par with the rest of the, across the league. So that, you know, we can do the right things, we can make the right decisions, we can be strategic about the way that we operate as a league. Um, and, you know, historically, that's been a little bit challenging, is finding um, ways that we can work together, even though that we're competitors on the field, off the field, we should not be looking at how do we actually be better than somebody else. It's not that, it's about sharing best practices and and making sure that we're making it so that the... Um, the game experiences is, is good across the league.
0: Yeah. I think everyone around the league would echo those sentiments, Scott. Um, well, we really appreciate you joining us today to talk about the London majors and, you know, give us a little preview and a bit of background as we look towards the upcoming season. So uh, best of luck the rest of way is off season. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat more down the road here. Thanks so much for joining us today, Scott.
1: Thank you, Jackson. Thanks for having me on. And you know what, this is a great opportunity for, for our league to have stuff like this. So yeah. thank you for all of your effort in this. It's really engaging with all of our fans and with our league fans, which is uh, super important for you know keeping baseball top of mind as we move forward. So thank you.
0: Well, absolutely, Scott. Thanks so much. Chat down the road for sure. So that was Scott Dart, uh, London Major's co-owner. And uh, we thank you for joining us today on another episode of IBL on Deck. Starting to get through all the teams here as we inch closer and closer, less than two months away from IBL opening day. Uh, so be sure to join us in a couple weeks for our next uh, episode in this Team by Team series. So for the IBL, for Rawlings, my name is Jackson Farrell. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great evening.